The Athletic. This is the Thursday edition of Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, we round up the international news as the break draws to a close. Thiago Silva falls foul of international griping. There's a look ahead to Saturday's game with Aston Villa and plenty more besides. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Out of Cobham. Listener, it's Matt Davis Adams back in your ears again, joined by the Athletics Chelsea correspondent Simon Johnson. Hello. And Blues Academy graduate turned broadcaster Sam Parkin. Hi, Matt. Hi. Uh, Simon got the most sprightly hello there, I think. <laughs> Faking it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, later we'll talk the return of the Premier League, but first let's round up those international blues. Plenty going on on the pitch Chelsea-wise during the last few days' worth of international football, but it's a man who didn't go away with his country who's made the headlines. Thiago Silva won't be available for Chelsea's game with Aston Villa on Saturday, nor the Tuesday Champions League opener against Zenit. Uh, Simon, can you tell us why? Well, it's this farcical, the farcical story of the international break where, because of the uh, quarantine rules, supposedly all Premier League players going to red list countries Premier League clubs have got together and said they weren't going to travel of course this goes against FIFA rules of you must release players and so we had the farcical situation of Brazil v Argentina where of course the Brazil players weren't released um, but there were some Premier League players for Argentina that were there although apparently they weren't supposed to be they did it without permission the game was called off a few minutes anyway the point is Thiago Silva being one of the Brazilian players that wasn't allowed to travel. Brazil were very upset about it. They complained to FIFA and FIFA are invoking this rule that he should have released so therefore he serves the punishment of not being available for a few days. I don't think it's particularly a big deal as far as Chelsea concerns and Jairus Christensen can just slot straight in but and he's been starting every game anyway but it's more the principle uh, especially after the fact the game never even took place properly in the first place with lasting what, seven minutes Sam, we've spoken a lot in recent weeks about about player power and the dynamic kind of shifting, particularly with younger players. Here you've got a a veteran who's done everything in the game who maybe feels like he doesn't have any player power at the moment because it's something that's completely out of his hands that he's had absolutely no part in. He's going to not be able to play in a game of football on Saturday. You could forgive him for being pretty irked about that. Yeah, it feels pretty comical. I think one side of the coin he would have obviously wanted to play for Brazil. He's not going to get too many more opportunities to play against Argentina, I I would suggest, but he's really bought into the Premier League and Chelsea in particular. And after having played against Liverpool for a portion, would have been uh, in in line maybe to get an opportunity. Yes, Christensen's been brilliant, but I think he's played three 90 minutes with Denmark. So given the opposition at the weekend, may have been a chance to, to put him in. But... I think because of the the comical aspect of what we've seen over the international break, you'd think that the governing bodies would see sense and and something can be done about this. I know that the clubs are going to fight it. You, you would imagine, and you would you would hope something would happen because it's unprecedented, isn't it? And you would think that you know the sensible line would be taken. But how many have we said that? I suppose the irony being is sort of the reason why Premier League clubs didn't want these players to go was they'd have to quarantine on their return and miss a load of days and Premier League games. And so 
<laughs> it's happened anyway. Um, uh, or it's potentially going to happen anyway. And secondly, could this happen all again next international break? I just think I just think a bit of common sense needs to be applied here. It's not like Premier League clubs were like not disrespecting international football. It's just again another symptom of the times we're living in and the COVID rules. Yeah, and it's particularly nonsensical when Brazil have said, "Oh, it's fine for Richarlison to play because we've got a good relationship with Everton." Right, fine. Um, we mentioned Andreas Christensen there. He won his 50th cap for Denmark, 50 already, as they beat Israel 5-0. They've got a 100% record in qualifying. Uh, Mateo Kovacic played for Croatia, their top of their group. They beat Slovenia 3-0 in their most recent game. And Mason Mount did the 90 for England on Wednesday night as they drew in Poland. Um, Sam, there's a, a lot of talk, certainly on the British TV coverage of this game, of how this is Gareth Southgate's 11, and it's quite firmly cemented now. And, and Mason Mount is definitely one of the first names on the team sheet, isn't it? He, they, they were kind of talking about, well, it, it's Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling plus one. I'm not sure it is plus one. I think Mount's in there ahead of the likes of a, a fit Foden and, and a fit Jaden Sancho at the moment. Yeah, especially in the shape that they played last night. And I mean, he still divides opinion. I mean, I, I watched the game last night. I thought his attitude, his tenacity without the ball again to to turn the ball over in dangerous areas and get England back on the front foot is just phenomenal. And I just felt it was his execution that let him down last night. I thought the idea in the final third, more often than not, was bang on. It was just his weight of pass was a little bit gentle or it was a yard the wrong side of one of his, his forward players. The other four players continually made bad decisions, I felt, when we had chances to counter-attack. It was just Mason's um, last little bit of execution, which which frustrated me a tad. And obviously, he should have done better with the equalising goal. He had the opportunity to clear it. But I, I thought, in comparison to some of the other levels of performance, he, he was right up there once more. So I don't get it. And um, I think when you're playing so much flair in the wide positions... Uh, last night, Grealish, Sterling, obviously, you know, Kane is is your, your target man, your number nine. I think Mason Mount is that hybrid who who can play there and he can do so many different things. He's got so many different attributes that it means that you've got the, especially away from home, you've got a little bit of defensive nous in that role rather than having someone like a Foden, like a Grealish playing centrally where it may be a little bit top heavy. The, the only thing I'd add to what Sam said is, the encouraging thing is this sort of developing relationship between him and Jack Grealish, mm. that they do seem to have this rapport going. And and in terms of what Sam's saying about his touch being off, I think I think there's been games so far where his touch has been just, that, just a fraction off, and I, I think it may be just start of the season, a little bit of rust. Um, but I don't think there's anything to be too worried about. I think his finishing is something that, he needs to work on just generally. I think he could score a lot more goals and be a lot more dangerous in the penalty area. But I was surprised to see his name trending on Twitter last night for all the, for the same negative reasons as he's been trended before. Lots of inner club rivalry and, oh, this player's better than that player, etc. But yeah, Mason Mount, they, they love him with England because he, he he's not only does the attacking side of the game, but is the fact that they can rely on him to do the pressing and the defence side of the game from a, a forward position. Uh, now, Simon, this took my attention, given the conversation we had on Monday about Edouard Mendy. So he was on the winning side. Senegal beat Congo 3-1 in one of their World Cup qualifiers. But he gave away a penalty. He didn't manage to save it. 
He's done an awful lot of travelling. You were pointing out his flaws on Monday. Is there any chance at all that Kepper, who's been back at Cobham and, and showing Saul the, the sights of London over the last two weeks, is, is there any chance that Kepper starts on Saturday? I think there's always a chance, simply because of the way that Thomas Tuchel has, has managed the situation so far. And he's played he's played Kepper in some significant games. Similarly, conversely, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against Zenit instead, for example, and, and perhaps gets the Champions League group game stage. Um, Kepa will get games. As far as Mendy sort of travelling and stuff, yeah, it may have an impact on the decision. We'll see, I suppose, on on, on Saturday uh, evening when the, when the team's announced. But I, I I really get the impression that Kepa, who, who, as you sort of rightly point out, played a key role in the Seoul Nige signing, He's in a happier mind. He's in a happier mental state now, even though he's not playing. And I think there were some comments over the international break that you know he's obviously finding it tough that he's not playing. But I think he still feels part of the group, which I don't think he felt when this was happening to him before under Frank Lampard. Uh, one other international note: Christian Pulisic, Captain America. <laughs> Captain America, like his nickname, uh, in a one-one draw with Canada. It's been a disappointing break for for the U.S. national team. Actually, I uh, wonder if he's maybe travelled too much to start on Saturday. Uh, we'll find out. Chelsea back in Premier League action this weekend, and we'll look ahead to the visit of Aston Villa next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Chelsea versus Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge. The final Premier League game on Saturday. The pair will meet again later this month in the League Cup, but the weekend's all about getting three points. Uh, we haven't had Thomas Tuchel's press conference as we record yet. I guess, Simon, the key injury question marks are over. Angolo Kante did go on France duty for a bit and then came back. And Romelu Lukaku, as Christophe Terrell was telling us on Monday, slight issue for him, but but we're expecting him to be available to play in this match. Yeah, I, I'm I'm standing by what Christophe said. You know, trust trust the man that knows Belgian football like nobody else. He he gave us reassuring words of comfort, didn't he, on on Monday's show. Um, <laughs> So it sounded pretty minor. If there's any doubt at all, of course, of course, you you, know, you can always rest him. But I'd 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 hope I'd hope Lukaku would play. As for Conte, I think it's a different argument entirely. If there's any kind of niggles going on, you know, wrap the guy up in cotton wool. Chelsea have cover. There's a reason why they signed Sal Niguez. Plus they've got Jorginho and Kovacic. I think the fact that he returned from international duty early is a sign that it is a. It is a problem. Obviously, France wouldn't have let him go otherwise. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start on on Saturday. And it, it is a concern that these niggling injuries that he's that he's had ever since the Europa League final in two thousand nineteen keep coming back. Um, because when he is fit, when he is playing, for me, he's he has been Chelsea's best player. 
uh, certainly in the last, well, certainly since the turn of the year. Uh, somebody we didn't mention during our international roundup was Timo Werner. So he scored for Germany, as did Tony Rudiger, a header, obviously, for Rudiger. Uh, Werner, after he'd missed an absolute sitter. Went the pass, but Klosterman, Timo Werner unmarked in the middle, has turned it over the top. Well, the big chances keep coming, that's another one spurned. We've had lots of calls, Sam, for, for him to feature for Chelsea. Do you think this is the kind of opposition where we, we might see Werner and Lukaku together? Possibly. I'd worry about Pulisic's involvement, maybe, given his last couple of weeks. Ziyech, I suppose, comes into the fray, uh, given that he's been back um, and training for a while. And obviously Mason Mount will probably come back in immaculate condition, as he always does, and, and be at the, the the front of the manager's mind. But yeah, I mean, Werner's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Is he ever going to be one who sticks away those chances regularly or is he already gonna, always going to have that in his armory i mean it's it's like uh what's it like it's like an old relationship that didn't work out isn't it where they're annoying the life out of you irritating you're about to get rid and then all of a sudden in his case he wins a penalty or scores a goal no like, oh, i think rosie again we'll keep him um it just feels a little bit like that. Sounds like my relationship. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's always going to have it in his armory. I think we're just going to have to accept it. Um, but in terms of what he brings the team, uh, of course, I think that he has a place in this in this squad. And I'd like to see it with Lukaku, but I'm not sure about this game. I'm not sure about this game. Maybe Lukaku's threat behind um, his ability to take the ball in maybe more suited to having a couple of players between the lines. I don't think there's going to necessarily been the, be the space which Werner would really thrive with, especially in some games away from home, um, which which he did well last season. So, you know, I'm not expecting Aston Villa to want to have too much of the ball. I don't think they're bothered about that. So, yeah, expect it to be, you know, a, a day where Chelsea have to be patient. Uh, Rhys James suspended Simon for this game after his red card against Liverpool. Is that as simple as just putting Azpilicueta there or, or the fact that, that Callum Hudson-Odoi has been, been back at Cobham for a couple of weeks? Is he finally going to get his chance to start a game? Um, sort of reading between the lines and what, what Tuka's doing, I, I'd be surprised if he if he does start Hudson-Odoi, unfortunately. Um, so I'd expect Azpilicueta right wing back and then probably um, Chalaba might get a run out instead, um, which isn't a a bad thing at all uh, for him. So yeah, it's sort of, sort of battle of the academy boys, isn't it? Um, which one gets a run out? But yeah, it, it just, I, I suppose from an attacking point of view, it'd be good to see Hudson Adoy out there, but I, I just get the impression that, that uh, Tuchel favours the sort of defensive certainty of, of having Azpilicueta in that position. It'd be interesting to see who starts on the left as well, with Alonso and Chilwell having both been uh, back at Cobham for the last fortnight. Uh, Villa-wise, Sam, plenty of absentees for this game. Emi Martinez and Emi Buendia are unavailable after that Argentina-Brazil uh, shenanigans. Conza, Traore, Leon Bailey, all doubts for this match. How are they going to approach the game? Do you think they're coming here looking not to get beaten rather than to win it? I think so, but with, with knowing that they've got really good players on the counter-attack. I'd be very surprised if this isn't the game where Dean Smith puts Ollie Watkins in. And I think he'll probably play on the left-hand side um, so he can have uh, Danny Ings leading the line. I think it's going to be really interesting moving forward for Villa, how they set up, because I think people 
maybe anticipate them changing so they can accommodate the two strikers. I see them probably being 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. And for this particular game, I would imagine they'll reinforce the the, the middle of the pitch um, where they've got options with McGinn, uh, McCamba, Douglas Louise. Uh, a couple of young lads have been getting a run out recently, Ramsey. Um, I think they'll probably play three in there, two wide players and uh, Ings down the middle. And it'll be about counter-attack and trying to play those two wide players into good positions. Not to say they're not good with the ball. I think Douglas Luiz drops in, gets on the ball from the two centre-halves. They can switch the play intelligently. But, you know, again, you know, they're not bothered too much about having the ball. I think Newcastle had more possession in their recent encounter. So, you know, Chelsea are going to have a lot of the football and just be aware that they've got a good variety to their game because Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings, despite maybe not being... Uh, the most statuesque strikers, both pretty good aerially, so they can go back to front at times as well. So a difficult fixture considering, you know, how well they did against Chelsea last year, but one I expect Chelsea to win. Yeah, took four points off Chelsea last season. Uh, Sam has before rightly pointed out that Ollie Watkins is one of those players you have to say the whole name of. Nobody ever refers to him as just Watkins. He's always <laughs> That's <Ollie> true. Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon, in terms of Villa's transfer window, it seems to be widely agreed that they've done pretty well, but also that they've kind of set the blueprint for clubs of their size as to how you deal with losing a star player. You know, they, they, they put that video out with Christian Perslow, didn't they, explaining, look, he had a clause... If somebody bid 100 million quid, we had to let him go. So that's what we did. And they've got the replacements lined up already. Now, Buendia came in while Grealish was still there, etc. It, it, it's, it's easy to say it now in the start of September, but it looks like they've dealt with, with losing Grealish really, really well. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and, and perhaps, weirdly, look, you never want to lose Jack Grealish, but perhaps they'll become a better team. Because uh, it, it felt they were so reliant on Jack Grealish. It was... It was you know, Villa's equivalent of Eden Hazard a few years ago, um, when it seemed like Chelsea players would be like, oh, pass, pass, pass. But I'll give it to Hazard. He'll do something because uh, we can't. And and I, I felt sometimes with Villa, it, it, it got very much sort of the Jack Grealish show. I think Danny Ings in particular, fitness permitting, uh, is, is an inspired signing. It's not like Villa struggled up front, it seemed last season, Ollie Watkins had a, had a tremendous season. But I just think that gives them that extra extra quality up top. Uh, Brendia is a, a player of great, great promise. And Liam Bailey has been linked. I mean, Chelsea were looking at him only a couple of years ago themselves. Of course, he's injured at the moment, but he's a player of that could really take the Premier League by storm. So, yeah, I think Villa, Villa, in, uh, Villa in pretty good shape. To, to build on what they're, you know, they're slowly building blocks, aren't they, in becoming a an established Premier League force rather than someone that's just trying to stay up. The only caveat I'd say about this weekend's game is I always think it's a very good time to play Chelsea after an international break. We all remember the last time it happened, the uh, the five two route of uh, of Chelsea by West Brom of all teams. So it, it it can it can sort of unsettle the camp, you know, as we discussed earlier in the show, people travelling from here, there and everywhere. So that is something that Chelsea will have to be wary of, that, um, that there could be a bit of rust in their limbs. I, I was going to say exactly what Simon just said about uh, the international break. Um, so I'll flip it. I think probably a good time to play Aston Villa, considering Bailey, Buendia, yeah. Ings and Watkins. If you can get that four into a side later in the season, that potentially could be devastating. So it, from that respect, it's quite good that only two of them are going to be available. 
5.30 kickoff on Saturday for that game. We will, of course, have the reaction to it in our Monday pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team will look to put the disappointment of their opening day defeat to Arsenal behind them when they welcome Everton to Kings Meadow on Sunday. And meanwhile, on Friday afternoon, the under-23s go in search of their first win of the season. That will be a tough ask away at the reigning PL2 champions Manchester City. And the under-18s are hoping to maintain their perfect start to the new campaign. They welcome Birmingham City to Cobham on Saturday. Uh, right, it's the first time Simon and Sam have been paired together, so let's see how they do in the latest half-baked quiz idea I've come up with. I've given up already. <laughs> <laughs> this one's called Stuff That's Loosely Related to Things That Might Previously Have Happened in Games Between Chelsea and Aston Villa. It's a snappy title. So you're going head-to-head on this one. Three questions each. Most correct answers wins... Um, you, you win the undying respect of me, producer Lucy, and our listeners. Um, you're going to hate me after this, both of you. You've won, Sam. Well done. <laughs> Here's Sam's first side. question. Right, this is for you. We all remember Chelsea's 4-0 win at Villa Park in 2016 as the day Alex Pato got his only Blues goal. Uh, that game also saw a Chelsea defender who's currently on loan in the Championship make his only Premier League appearance for the club thus far. Name that defender. Oh, 2016. Yeah, currently on loan in the championship. There's your oh, clue. Um, I don't think it's him, but I'm going Baba Rahman. Oh, it's a good shout because he is currently on loan in the championship, but it is not Baba Rahman. Simon, can you steal? No, because I thought I, I, I instantly <laughs> I got excited because I remembered Matt Miazga on loan at Reading, but he's got Alaves. Uh, I'll take a pun. Uh, oh no, was it Clark Salter or something like that? It was Jake Clark Salter. Oh, yes, currently on loan no. at Birmingham City. Uh, yeah, right. Gus gave him a couple. End of, of pod. Let's leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won the up, Simon, because you get the point for the steal. That's Here's what I your mean. First question. <laughs> <laughs> right, yours is related to that game. So I mentioned uh, Chelsea legend Alex Pato there. He's only thirty-two years old now. Uh, where is he currently playing his trade? Oh, um, <laughs> down the park. <laughs> it's rubbish. Um, Sam should know this one. It's somewhere in Brazil. Uh, I'll just, just, just because I can think of them, Corinthians. Oh, I got it. I got it. I researched it the other day. He's not. Where is it, Sam? Oh, I think it's Orlando. It is. Can you tell me the full name of the team? Orlando City. Yes, it is Orlando City. Um, I didn't give that one to, to Sam to start with, Simon. Given that Sam commentates on MLS for Sky, I thought that would be a bit of um, a bit Get of in there. one one. You've answered each other's questions. This is extraordinary scenes. Um, okay, Brutal. Sam. Here's your your second question. On the second of January, twenty eleven, Chelsea and Aston Villa played out a thrilling three three draw at Stamford Bridge. Villa's first goal scorer that day could well feature for them at the weekend, having recently rejoined the club. What's his name? Ashley Young. Correct. That was an, you, you kind of didn't believe how easy that one was, did you? That was a tap, it, tap him. That was a penalty without a keeper. Yeah. I shouldn't have said how I wouldn't have got that. rejoined the club. <laughs> Let's see if you get this one, Simon. 
Uh, the first ever Premier League meeting of Aston Villa and Chelsea went down at Villa Park in that hazy summer of 1992. Chelsea won 3-1. One of the Blues midfielders that day is the lead character in the soon-to-be-released, soon-to-be-headed-to-a-petrol-station DVD bargain bin near you film, Rise of the Foot Soldier, Origins. Who am I referring to? What? <laughs> a Chelsea midfielder against Villa, 1992. Now a film star, he says loosely. Rise of the Foot Soldier, Origins, is his latest offering. It'll be in theatres later this month. I mean, I know this is not right, but I'm just trying to think of midfielders from 1992. Um, Andy Townsend. Oh, it's close, but it's not right. Sam, can you steal it? Come on, Simon. Vinnie Jones. Vinnie of course. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course. So, Sam. I told you, you we should have finished at 1-0. One, one You're 2-1 ahead. So if you get your final question, Sam, you've won it. Uh, in 1996, Villa won 2-1 at Stamford Bridge in a Premier League fixture. Two of the men who started that day for the visitors also count Chelsea amongst their former clubs. Can you name them? So two players who played for Villa in that game in 96 who've also played for Chelsea. Well, I've got two and I'm going to go with the one that Simon just said, Andy Townsend. Andy Townsend is correct. Cascarino? It's not Cascarino, no. It was Mark Bosnich. Uh, oh, but you've got the one point there. So you've won. But Simon, we'll do your final question uh, just just for... Just see if I could get one of my own right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll remember December 2012 when Chelsea obliterated Aston Villa 8-0 at Stamford Bridge. It would have been 9 had the Blues not missed a penalty. Who missed it? Surely couldn't have been Super Frank. Is that your answer? I, I, I will have to go Super Frank, although I don't believe it is. Sam, can you steal? Ah. Uh. Actually, was it Anelka? No. I'll go <laughs> Oscar. someone on a hat-trick. Oscar, no. Uh, right, uh, it, it's somebody who barely ever played for Chelsea, but he had about 100 loans. And I think he only just finished his last loan and left the club permanently this summer. Listen, you're screaming mm. it at your device. I can hear you. It's so obvious, isn't it? These two totally baffled. You're not going to get there. The answer... No. Is Lucas Piazon, of course. Oh, no, wouldn't have got that. <laughs> That's a brutal... I think he got an assist in the game. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's not supposed to be easy. You work for the Athletic, it, it means you're of a certain standard and you should be able to answer questions about Vinnie Jones. That's, um, That's shocking, the isn't it? They teach you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, well done, Sam. You were Thank you very much. Easily. Tremendous. Come again, Simon. Can this be the duo, Can this be the duo every Thursday? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll lose every Thursday that I'm on. <laughs> As I've just shown why. I'm amazed I've got one, to be honest. <laughs> just bringing you back down to earth after that astonishing uh, round of golf that you were telling us about that happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that, that quiz was like the equivalent of lots of three putts. <laughs> if if anyone is a golf fan, that's, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go and finish, Matt. Study up for next time. That's the key. Um, yeah, that's just gonna that's gonna just about do it for this episode. Uh, before we go, Simon, you've been uh, writing on the case for the defence. This this big thing on the Athletic at the moment, where we're looking at the best of the Premier League. You have got some Chelsea defenders in uh, who you've made the case for. Yeah, it's a it's a in a it's basically an inter club battle of, of various 
parts of the field. And today, I'll take care of the defence. And basically saying, yeah, they are the best defence in the Premier League. Of course, there's a lot of other good defence. But as I said, you know, stats do all the talking. And since Thomas Tuchel arrived, no team has conceded fewer goals. They also set a record. Of course, Frank Lampard takes part of credit for this. Um, no team has, has they set a Champions League record last season. The fewest goals ever conceded um, in the Champions League of, of only four goals. And then when you look at all the options they have, that's why we was uh, linking it back to the top of the show, Thiago Silva. You can have a player like that missing, and it's kind of like, yeah, so what? <laughs> it's like, you know, yes, Thiago Silva's brilliant, but Andreas Christensen is now sort of, well, you could almost argue he's ahead of him anyway. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a piece we're debating. The other club writers have, have uh, put uh, some of their nominations as well, but I just think Chelsea have won this one hands down. Yeah, you've quickly quashed everybody else in that one. And don't forget to check out Simon's excellent piece on the Academy and Thomas Tuchel's relationship there with two. Uh, Sam, where in the wide world of football are you this week? Oh, I'm... Um... Doing the Football League show on Saturday and then um, I've got an MLS game if anyone's up in the dead of the night on, on Saturday. Uh, Is Alex Pato going to be playing in I it? Can, I cannot, cannot think of a Chelsea reference. Oh, I can. Uh, New England Revolution, they're the best team at the moment against New York City, formerly of Frank Lampard. Didn't Michael Mancien play for uh, New England as well? He did. You're, he did. You're on fire. You shouldn't be setting the questions, Matt. You should be answering them. <laughs> yeah, that will never happen, I'm afraid. He's back at Burton now, don't we? unfortunately for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, same thing, sort of. Athletic.com slash Chelsea Pod is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. I'll be at the bridge for the Villa game on Saturday, which we'll report on on Monday. We'll also look ahead to the start of another Chelsea Champions League campaign. Until then, from myself, Lucy, Simon and Sam, thanks for your company today. We'll speak again soon. The Athletic.